Each day we'll be giving instructions. At the session after breakfast and at this session, the 345 session, and we'll be unfolding the six different categories of metta practice. One of my colleagues, uh, Heather Martin, who lives in British Columbia, speaks of these as the six metta muses, <laughs> those beings that we relate to who help bring out our our kindness, our metta. And we have this progression in which we start with self. We move then to benefactor, who, who uh, is, the benefactor is someone uh, often uh, a teacher, a mentor, an elderly relative, but more generally someone who is almost entirely positive in relationship to ourselves. Uh, someone with whom we don't have a complicated relationship, but rather a relationship in which a sense of warmth comes easily. That's our focus that we'll bring in in this session. And so the you can reflect on who that might be. It can be um, someone who fits into uh, the category easily, like a, a teacher, her mentor, elderly relative, or maybe not necessarily so elderly. Um, it can also be at times a pet or someone or some being towards whom there's just a sense of warmth and kindness and wishing well flows uh, very easily. And in a way we choose one benefactor for our practice, we may have several. We may have multiple benefactors and we choose one of them uh, to do the practice in a sense let that 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 benefactor stand for the others. So I'll invite you just to reflect on seeing who that might be. Typically it's someone in one's own personal life. It can possibly be a public person. It could be someone uh, whom you've never met. It could be the Dalai Lama or maybe a public figure whom you admire quite a lot towards whom you have uh, warm feelings and maybe with whom there's inspiration. So it could be public figure. Most often for people, it's someone you know in your life. So just reflect for a moment on who that might be. And then in uh, the next sessions, the sessions tomorrow, we'll bring in the one who is called the dear friend. Uh, Also someone with whom they're almost entirely positive feelings. So again, not complex relationships. And those two, the dear friend, the benefactor and ourself, this becomes, uh, as it were, our familiar circle. (laughs) These are our core meta buddies. (laughs) Uh, and we really ground there. The, the uh, philosophy in the original tradition is that we start where metta seems to flow more easily and then we gradually bring it out 
uh, in the further session to one we call neutral or sometimes we call that one the familiar stranger and then towards a difficult person and then towards increasingly all beings. And so that's the progression. And so in a sense, we build up the uh, metta capacity with self, with benefactor, with friend. And we often may in daily life spend a lot of time there. So I'll just say a few more words about the uh, practice of metta generally, and then we'll do the practice. And the way we'll do it in this session is we'll do about half of the time on self and about half of the time on benefactor. And you can see, you know, as you uh, go into further days, you can see we'll also do something very similar. We'll work when we bring in the third category, we won't forget about the first two, but we'll really divide the session into three, something like that. And you can do the same in your walking periods and in your, in your other periods. And you can, and partly uh, in the more informal periods, you can see if you're drawn maybe to do more with self or more with benefactor. Sometimes uh, we can have some challenges in doing metta for self. You know, there can be challenges. Many of us were trained or conditioned not to be able to offer ourselves love or kindness or to think that it was somehow selfish or think that it was problematic. How many of you found a a little bit of block or resistance in doing metta for self? So that's quite uh, common and not, not a problem. And sometimes you'll find that the metta flows more fully with uh, the benefactor and the dear friend. And sometimes you can spend a little more time there and then come back to metta to self. Because it's really, it's really where, it's almost as if, uh, you know, metta is contagious. And if you find it with a benefactor, it'll be contagious for self. So we don't have warnings about that, but it's okay. So a few other words about uh, technique. Because metta practice in the way we typically offer it uh, occurs with words, with phrases, Um, we we can bring in some optional techniques such as some of which we've mentioned that can help avoid the tendency for the metta to be overly cerebral or dry or mental. It is a little bit of an occupational hazard using phrases like that. And so there are a few things we can do if that is an an issue. It may or may not be an issue, but if it is, uh, one thing to do is to uh, keep the hand on the heart to really have that connection with the body. You You could keep your hand on your heart the whole time. That is, can be a very helpful technique and you feel, can feel the, the uh, groundedness in that part of the body. Uh, another similar technique is to maybe not have the hand there, but keep a light awareness in the heart area as you're practicing. That's actually what I, what I do. And then we can have the visualization of uh, oneself initially, and then of the benefactor can help make it be a little juicier, right? When you have the image of the person, that helps bring it to life somewhat more. And so uh, in doing the practice, it can be very helpful 
uh, actually to have, the, what I do is actually almost like a, um, a several part technique where I try to be aware of the heart. This is a little, a little complicated, so if it's too much, so just, just simplify it or, or don't use it. But I try to have my, my attention on my heart. Then for each phrase, I'll have an image of myself or of the other person. And then I say the phrase. And then another aspect of technique is to just let there be a pause, or we sometimes call it an echo, maybe for two or three seconds. And then sometimes there might be a memory or it could be some further feeling. And we just let that be there for a few seconds, not to get involved or to go off and be thinking, but just to let there be a resonance there, a resonance, an echo, a pause. And then we go and do the second phrase with the same technique. I have an image, I say the phrase, let there be a pause. Pause can be quite brief, again, just a few seconds. So that is a, those are optional aspects of technique, but they help a lot in my experience for it to be a little more filled with emotion and a little more connected with the body, which tends to bring the energy of metta in. And, and Spring mentioned several of those already this morning. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with those, if those are helpful. And by now we should have really found our phrases. So we do, you know, we do uh, allow for the phrases to be individual. You know, that we have the traditional phrases, but some people like other phrases um, that might be bringing, may I be accepting of myself or may I be kind or may I be free. And the use of language is also uh, subject to seeing what works best for you. Uh, you don't have to say the word may I. For some people this evokes uh, Catholic parochial school, <laughs> you know. And uh, some people just like to say one word or two words, just maybe just to say safe and just to stay with it. Because again, the words are more means to an end. They're the, they are the means that help evoke the metta feeling. And that when the practice is uh, moving well, the, the words can be part more part of the background and we're a little bit more with the feeling. So that's so, again, think of the words as the uh, technique, the means that help to uh, access that quality of metta. Very much like a shaman beats a drum and something happens, right? We say the phrases and something, maybe hopefully there can be, oh, oh yes, yes. You know, and I know, I know I'll just, last thing I'll say is I know when, uh, when I was starting, uh, the, I used the four traditional phrases more or less and they were different as they came around. I remember initially, Every time safety came around, something in me said, yes, yes, good, very good. And, and the other ones had a little less impact. It's interesting, right? So you may notice those differences and that's fine. Okay, so we'll start with metta to uh, self. And then uh, in a little while, I'll, maybe about 15, 20 minutes, I'll invite us to go to metta to benefactor. And then... Uh, We'll have, also have time at the end for some uh, questions, if there are any.
And as we continue to sit quietly, I'll invite us to shift to metta towards the benefactor. Just staying with the one that you've chosen. Okay to experiment just a little, but try to stay fairly soon with uh, just one, one being. And the technique is exactly the same as we've been doing with metta to self. So we just stay with that for this session and be similar in other sessions and in the walking.
just continually coming back and starting again if one's off.
So we have a little less than 15 minutes uh, for questions, discussion, if there are questions. And we'll also, um, tomorrow morning, we'll have also more time than we did this morning. So generally, we're leaving these two periods, uh, having these two periods a day for uh, any questions about the practice, about something that's come up, about the underlying philosophy or understanding. Um, Please. Yeah. I have a friend who, my grandmother is who was open to the heart. Yeah. She died about a year and a half ago. Yeah. And she threw up cactus there for about 20 years. Yeah. And I feel like she's still completely Yeah. Yeah. So the question is about uh, having one of our. Uh, muses, in this case the benefactor, be someone who is no longer uh, alive. And in this case, your grandmother, uh, with whom you had, it sounds, a very strong connection. And there there are a few considerations. Uh, Traditionally, uh, I think as you said, traditionally the guidance was not to do the metta with someone who is not alive. And um, the, I think part of the reason was to, to be able to have the phrases evoke their usual meanings, like to say, may you be healthy. Some of this is going to depend on belief system. Um, that being said, um, we really want to recognize the deep resonance of the heart uh, in many cases with those who are no longer no longer alive, whatever one's belief system is. And so there are different ways to work with that. Uh, it could take the form of something that's more akin to gratitude practice. So there's really a sense of the heart opening to this being, but it might not be with the metaphrases. It would be with, if we use phrases, it would be, we might say, I'm grateful for this, or I'm grateful for this, or I'm grateful that you were in my life. And we could almost use that like a metaphrase, say it and let there be a resonance, right? Something like that. And that, that, that would be just fine. And so, again, we, we, uh, we give a certain amount of leeway in the actual phrases, as I said, some people just would use one word. And, and so I think, uh, I think there could well be room for the benefactor have, you know, having this place, because it's really, it's, uh, it's not so much about following the technique real closely, but it's more about the opening of the heart. And uh, that can happen a lot with something like, like gratitude. The, that being said, one, one other point, as it were, on the other side is that one of the aids to concentration would be the fact that we would use the same phrases with, with every muse. And so, um, sort of, there are pros and cons, right? There are pros and cons. And, and I think in daily life, that's a little bit less important. If one was doing a longer retreat, the concentration aspect of metta is aided by the phrases uh, 
being the same for every 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 being. So that's um, I think that's to say that it can be very very valuable to to um, because it's really about opening the heart. And in a way, we we haven't talked about this yet, but in a way, we often hold these different qualities of the, of the heart, like metta, like uh, compassion, like joy, like gratitude, like forgiveness. These are almost like different uh, flavors of the same basic energy. And so when we can tap into that open heart, maybe in this case through gratitude, it really uh, can connect us to metta in other ways as well. So can be can be very helpful. <laughs> Thanks. Please. I'm curious if there's a significance to the order that we can talk about. Because I, I think spring started with happy. Oh. Often in the traditional one it starts with safe and protective. Right. Uh, is there a significance to the order of the phrases? The, the significance to the different muses or the categories is historically is going from what seems to be easiest to that which is taken to be more difficult. But is there a logic to the order of uh, starting with happiness or starting with safety and so forth? Um, I think, uh, I haven't heard of one. I can imagine it's a little bit like Maslow's hierarchy of needs if you go back to psychology 101 and you... (laughs) Sorry to evoke memories if they weren't so pleasant of psychology 101, but my mom was actually a student of Maslow. So that's, that's interesting. But uh, Maslow, for those of you who weren't so familiar, had a hierarchy of needs where it says almost you have to, in a sense, meet basic needs before higher needs can be met. And so we might, that would be a reason for starting with safety. It's like the condition for the others to manifest. So. But I think uh, much less important than that is what personally resonates with with each person. And so I think there may be some traditional logic of that kind, but I think it's really what's most important is to see, some, maybe to have a sense of this is most basic and this is a little less basic. And I say that later, perhaps, you know, but I think it's, it doesn't matter that much. Um, please, yes, and then come, second, please. Um, so when I do meta, often a lot of sorrow comes up yeah. for, um, for seeing all the times in my life that I haven't been treating myself with meta, especially when you say that with myself. Yeah. And so I see, I feel my heart warming and opening, but it also can become very overwhelming and break my concentration. And I'm trying to find the right yeah. Yeah, so the question is about in the metta practice, sometimes in saying the phrases, let's say, in wishing well for oneself, sorrow can arise perhaps because of realizing times when one has not taken care of oneself, when maybe we've abandoned ourselves or. Um, neglected self in some way and that can that can bring up a certain grief or sorrow and how to work with that really and um, and so we continue with the practice and we really let occur what 
right, what arises, right? And the general guideline that we use for um, stronger emotions arising is that when the emotions that arise are there for a while or sort of of moderate strength, like we might feel some sadness, but it's not real, real strong. It's not overwhelming. We just keep on with, we let it be part of the background. And, and sometimes things arise and are, are quite strong and they stay for a while. And in that case, if it's really staying for a while, we might stay, we might switch to some mindfulness practice for a while and stay with the sadness and then eventually it will shift or pass. Uh, and then we would come back to the metta. And, uh, you know, this is part of what we call the purification process. That, that different, uh, different emotions arise, sometimes quite strong, and it's normal, and we just allow it to be part of the process. And, and can use that uh, distinction of when it's up to moderate level strength, we let it be part of the background if it's just occurring. And if it's really strong and lasts, you know, like for five minutes or 10 minutes, we would, we could bring mindfulness practice with to that emotion, in which case we would stay with it, just know that it's happening, stay with the body, stay with the emotions, see where the thoughts go, not to get lost in it, but just to stay with it. And sometimes we could also do a kind, do compassion practice, which, uh, um, is actually part of the metta family, where you know one of, one of the uh, uh, we're not, we're actually not teaching it because the retreat's short. When we do seven day metta retreat, we often teach compassion and joy and equanimity practice, also often forgiveness. And so, but I'll just mention uh, it's done very similarly to metta. We would say something like there are different phrases one could use. One the phrase that I use is may. I be free of suffering. May I be free of the roots of suffering. One that my colleague Heather Sunberg often uses, which I like a lot is, I care. I care about your suffering. By this caring, may your suffering be eased. And that's a kind of compassion practice, which can sometimes be skillful when when that's arising. But I think mostly just to do the practice and and um, see what see what arises. Yeah, does that help? <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. Um, the question is about the appropriateness of praying for something that one wants or wishing for something that one wants. Um, it's a great question because there are methods or approaches which, which, which do that, certainly in many traditions, religious and psychological. Um, here, the, um, there is this um, quality of wishing for the, in terms of oneself, for these deeper qualities to be there. And in a, in a way, we're wishing for there to be health. We're wishing for there to be uh, kindness, perhaps, or we're, wish, we're inclining ourselves to say, may I be accepting of myself. And so those are, those are qualities 
that we are wanting to develop. And then of course, after saying them, we let be whatever is there. It could be like your question, it could be that something else comes up. Oh, I'm, I'm sad because I haven't accepted myself so much. Usually we don't really uh, bring the practices to something very, like a specific outcome. You know, like, may I uh, finally get it together on the job frontier? <laughs> you know, or, or, or perhaps in terms of finances or job or relationship. We usually don't use it quite like that, but have it be a little bit more general. Yeah, thanks. Maybe last one and then we'll, we'll shift, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, a question about the practice with the benefactor, and uh, noticing that some anger rose towards the benefactor, and then uh, she um, found a new benefactor. <laughs> Sometimes we do auditions. And, you know, and bring multiple benefactors up and apprise their different qualities. Um, and and that's, that when you change, that seemed to work differently. Yeah. So a question partly of differentiating, how, does the, how is the benefactor differentiated from the f- dear friend? And then that point about, shouldn't it be easy? Um, yeah, the, uh, I think the operative term maybe is easier rather than easy necessarily. And more accessible, but it, it still can be challenging. And there still can be times when we're distracted or where the heart just doesn't feel accessible or anger arises, so that's fine. And so we try to choose, uh, the benefactor more often is someone with whom there's not necessarily a peer relationship. It can be a more, uh, how should we say, uh, asymmetrical relationship or a relationship with, um, it could be again, teacher, mentor, elderly relative, someone who's a guide in some way. That's the traditional understanding. The dear friend is more of a peer relationship. That being said, like I mentioned, sometimes we find the benefactor might be a pet, where actually it might be, uh, I might be in some ways the, could be literally the owner. Um, And I think that's okay. Uh, There's some, the, the main thing is finding beings with whom there's really resonance. That's really the main thing. But that, but classically, that's the difference. That it's it's a little bit more like a mentor, an elderly relative, someone who maybe has helped us in a certain way. And the the friend is more of a peer, uh, kind of a equal relationship. Yeah. Okay. Um, good. So we have for some of us, we have uh, our groups now, and for others, we have the walking meditation. And again, my suggestion is to. Uh, either divide the session up into a half self 
half benefactor, or if it's useful, maybe divide it into uh, quarters. So you maybe do 10 minutes for one, 10 minutes for another, and so forth. And um, it's good to do you know, the walking meditation. Uh, and again, if you sometimes want to stop and just stop in place and keep the phrases going while you're standing, that's just fine. And sometimes also if you feel like lingering a little bit more in the hall and sitting, that's fine to do that for five or 10 minutes, of course. Okay, so we'll um, come back uh, after the evening meal uh, at 6.45 for the next sitting. So thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.